Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, before the episode starts, I just wanted to come out here with a couple of messages before we get right into it. Number one, this is the last recorded episode before we do the live episode um, next Saturday. So please tune into that. Secondly, we'll be announcing the giveaway winner in that episode. And so if you haven't taken part yet, there's always time to do so. So check out our Insta and Spy UK to find all the details on how to take part. And I want to say this is more in regards to the episode. This is more of a part one because me and Yasmin were meant to do, we were meant to review the book, The Body Keeps the Score. However, we weren't able to kind of get into that as much in the in the episode and you will see why because Yasmin had so many gems to share and stories to share as well and it kind of had a lot to to do with trauma so in a sense we did kind of cover the topic we just didn't cover the book which we will definitely do in the second part but this episode will not disappoint you guys it's a wealth of knowledge and I'm 100% sure you enjoy this one so as always we'll see you guys on the other side nobody knows what you are i was concerned about going out into the world and doing something bigger than myself until someone smarter than myself made me realize there is nothing bigger than myself if you don't believe nobody else is going to believe to get something you never had you have to do something you never did yes 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 ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another episode another special episode with your boys from the paper trolls podcast i'm your host marky and today we're joined by special guests yasmin omar science teacher and senior lead at the Difference Education, um, joining us here today to talk about a very interesting topic, um, trauma. Uh, not just the whole trauma thing, to not put you on the spot, um, but essentially trauma, kind of what it is and just how deeply it can really affect people. Um, and the book today that we covered is The Body Keeps the Score. And I can't lie to you, it's probably one of the best books I've read. It was a great suggestion, I must say. Oh, thank you. Um, because I think for me, my understanding of trauma before I started reading it was completely different to like kind of how it was after I started reading it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the time that we think of trauma and stuff like that, well, what I think of is like Vietnam and like PTSD and just people just, you know, they hear fireworks and then they start shaking or all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, okay, cool, that's what it is. But like how deeply that it can truly affect people, not even if they go through something like like a war or anything like that. Like it doesn't have to be something major. It can be also something small. And um, that leaving like scars in the brain was like, just completely changed my whole view on it so again i have to say thank you for suggesting that book and i would suggest that book for for everyone um because it's a great little insight to kind of know again about what trauma is and um also gives ways to kind of get over trauma as well but we'll we'll get into the book a lot more in depth um as we kind of go on but first we kind of want to know a bit more about you Sure. Um, so, of course, I introduce you as a science uh, teacher as well as the science lead at The Difference. But if you could give us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Um, yeah, so I'm a senior leader in a school. Yeah. I'm a science teacher. I teach all three sciences. Okay. Um, I'm currently not in a mainstream school, so I'm not teaching children in like the typical setting, which yeah. I used to. I'm now in a PRU, which is short for People Referral Unit. And it's a school that's just specifically for um, permanently excluded children or children that haven't been permanently excluded, but 
schools like mainstream schools like the ones Don't i used to work them, in yeah, yeah, yeah are like yeah. struggling to meet their needs and yeah. so they might be with us on placement or they might be transitioning okay. another school so yeah all of the kids i teach at the moment in many ways as well you could say yeah. are children that have experienced some form of trauma like childhood well. yeah, trauma. yeah no of course and so i think there was one called like the pavilion but that's what back like when some kid uh, those there was a period in my school where like seven kids almost got kicked out one time wow. in year 11 as well yeah. uh, just before like gcse's and whatnot and they just got sent to like the it was called the pavilion um and i don't know if it's like a bunch of schools or if it's just one school called the pavilion um and i guess it was always kind of looked at like oh whoa, no one wants to kind of go like yeah, it's like yeah. the I shadow think, realm yeah. or something like that you know? so what happens is um every borough so basically the government have like a statutory duty for everyone yeah. under the age of 16 16 and below yeah. to be in full-time education so if you are if you find yourself permanently excluded yeah. from any school um it, it's your local authority's responsibility for you to be in a school yeah. so what happens a lot of the time it isn't based on the school the um, borough that the school you go to is in is based on your postcode. Okay. So like sometimes some children live in a school where like most kids, generally yeah. speaking, go to a school that's also in the same borough that they live in. Because yeah. obviously a lot of schools are like catchment based. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes it happens. So like I grew up in West London and I once worked at a school um, that was kind of on the edge of yeah. Ealing. And there were children from, I think, three different boroughs. Yeah. And I remember even one incident where three Somali boys got permanently excluded, but yeah. all three of them lived in three different boroughs. And so they ended up in three different like pupil referral units, okay. despite going to the same, same school, school in one yeah, borough. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, that pavilion, I've, I've not heard of it, but yeah. it would essentially be a provision that your local authority is responsible for. Because yeah. I mean, it's really sad to hear, um, you know, kids getting kicked out of school in year 11. Yeah, 11, yeah. But it happens, it yeah. happens. It's happening currently now. I'm a form tutor for kids that have been kicked out in year yeah. 11. It's really sad. And, um, you know, I don't I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but yeah. I, have, <laughs> I have my theories as to why it happens. Yeah, I mean, you can um, say it, yeah. <laughs> I have my theories. So like, um, controversial, but yeah. you know how schools have like league tables. Yeah. At least I can't necessarily say it's the case now, mm. but I remember when I was at school, I went to a school that was outstanding, yeah. you know, offset rated outstanding. Um, I knew that I, I was from like a local council estate. Um, I knew that I was in the school because back then now, so a lot of schools are academies. Yeah. Um, they often get to choose what kids they want. They, they get a say in their intake at yeah. points. Um, whereas when I was at school, um, it was the, I think it was the local authority that used to, no, actually it was the schools, but anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like I was in, I was from a council estate, but our school also had just a bit further out than where I lived. Yeah. Really like really affluent families. Like I'm not even joking. I grew up in the area where the Tracy Beaker house, the oh, actual the Tracy actual Beaker house. house, the house, yeah, the yeah, house yeah, yeah. was it was walking distance from where I grew up. Yeah. So was the X Factor mansion. Like oh, I knew damn. where it was. Yeah. You know, I remember times when my friends would be like, should we bunk school today? Like, let's go see One Direction. Yeah. You know, before <laughs> okay, they were like, yeah, yeah. when they were first, when they were, yeah. yeah, when they were on X Factor and stuff like that. It was just walking distance. So imagine I was sitting in a tutor group with children from these like huge houses. Yeah. Like, I remember sitting next to this boy who once, you know, I, I remember I asked him like, how's your weekend? And he was complaining that his heated flooring in his games room wasn't working. Wasn't and I was just sat there like, can't <laughs> relate. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, wow. I went to school with people like that. So like, yeah. I, I remember always being in school with a sense of the school doesn't want me here. Yeah. Like I'm here because 
they didn't get a choice kind yeah. of thing like yeah, we just, just kind of grew up with it. that feeling you know um and it can be tough but also it gives you like a form of resilience yeah. you know but um i remember why was i talking about the school oh yeah so i remember when i was at school there was this thing called league tables which you probably remember like every school yeah, in the yeah, borough yeah. would be ranked you know based on what proportion of kids got whatever grade yeah. at gcse um and so you'd well, when I was at school anyway, we'd suddenly see a spike in exclusions mm. in, you know, year nine, 10, 11. And like, I had loads of friends at school that were okay, permanently excluded. Yeah. And I remember amongst us, even yeah. though we were only about 15, we used to think, oh, but it's the people they don't think that are going to do well at GCSE yeah. because there are some other really naughty kids who get, you know, infinite mm. chances. Like I remember kind of growing up with that yeah, opinion yeah, yeah. Um, of my school. But now the way that, you know, the success of a school is measured has changed. Yeah. So there's something now called a P8. You might have heard of it. It's called um, Progress 8. So basically, it it's not it's now no longer about how many GCSE grades or what grades you got. It's yeah. about your progress relative to how you did at um, in your year six sats. If that makes okay. sense. So it's like mo it's more individual now. Yeah, yeah. So it's still like a cumulative number across a whole cohort of your yeah. 11s. But now. It doesn't really matter if you got all eight A stars. Obviously, it's numbers now. If you yeah. got all G nine, I think eight. that's probably why when yeah. you said eight, I was like, "What?" Does yeah. That oh mean? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, now it's about how much value did your secondary school add? Like, what grade did you have in year six? Yeah. And what have you left with in year eleven? Okay. Exactly. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. so you can get any number. It's on a scale. It can even be. It can be zero above zero. It could be a positive number. It could be a negative number. Yeah. So you could have had value lost or you could have had value added. Okay. So schools are measured in a different way now. So that's interesting. But my theories, I would say, come a lot from my childhood yeah. and the school that I went to. So the closer they get to that part where they start counting it against the league, that's when they're like, let's just yeah. start cropping some people out. Exactly. It so kind of makes sense because some of the, like literally everyone that was kicked out, um, well, to be fair, the, the the story was wild because it was from after football match where people started fighting, but then because it was like a whole cluster of people, they kind of handpicked who they wanted to keep and who they didn't want to keep, despite knowing that someone else did a bit more, like or fought a lot more than the actual person they decided to kick out. And there was one guy that wasn't really involved, really in it, but he was just in and around the area, and then um, they also kicked him out. So it was like seven of their like worst behaved kids that they just kicked out at one time. Yeah, it's honestly, it's really, really sad. And like, you know, because I'm part of a charity now where they, you know, aim to kind of reduce exclusions and, you know, kind of train teachers and schools up and stuff. A lot yeah. of the time people think that um, it means I'm completely against exclusions, yeah. but I'm not. Like, I, I've definitely seen it. Like, before even I was a teacher, I, I still work in exclusions, yeah. but even before I was a teacher, I had a job where, you know, I was representing kids in their exclusion meetings. Yeah. And um, I just remember sometimes kids actually did things where it's like, I understand why you yeah, have to go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because, you've got to go. Yeah, because yeah. like, I feel like schools, well, head teachers anyway, since they're the ones that make the decision, they are like a lot of the time in a really difficult position because they're always weighing up the that child against the rest of the school, you know, yeah. the safety and integrity of everyone else. Yeah. And that's a serious responsibility. You know, if you ignore someone who's in complete breach of your behavior standards yeah. or your school policies, you know, who else might that harm? Whether yeah, it's true. another adult in the yeah. school or another child, you know? So like that I've seen things where I I shouldn't hit this. Yeah, I've um I've seen things where I completely understand why 
a child ended up yeah. excluded. But also, I just think that, in my opinion, there is more that could be done. Yeah. And it's really sad because the, the effect it has on children to oh, get permanently course. excluded yeah. and the way their life chances just plummet. Yeah. Like I know there's that really controversial, there's a, that really controversial um, phrase of like, you know, the permanent exclusion to prison pipeline. Yeah. Um, and in education, there's a lot of teachers that actually heavily criticize that and say, yeah. well, you know, if you're bad at school, it shouldn't be a surprise then that you're also bad in wider society and you've ended yeah. up in jail. But actually, like I've seen firsthand how when a child is excluded, like think about, like there's no bigger protective factor in a child's life than going to school. Yeah. Like think about when you were at school, when I was at school, anyone that's at school, you're in a building behind closed gates, yeah. behind registers, you know, behind adults that have all been, you know, had their background criminal records yeah, checked. Yeah, yeah. You're in this safe environment for like most of your, you know, waking hours in yeah. a day. And then you leave, you know, if you don't show up to school now, there was always an attendance officer or an admin officer who's going to call home and yeah, find out where, and you check are. where you are. Yeah, yeah, things like bunking and stuff has massively reduced. Mm. You know, with the improvement in technology and you know a, a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so when you're permanently excluded, you've lost all of that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Even if you are in a unit like things like the pavilion or yeah. where I am now, like you'll find their average attendance rates are so much lower. Yeah. You know, kids take so many more days off school. A lot of the time, they're scared to come in because yeah. it's not easy being in the same school as all the other you know worst behaved children yeah, yeah, yeah. in the borough. Like that's that's not easy yeah. for anyone. Um, and you know they start to miss so much more school, and yeah. then because of that they're exposed to a lot more dangers like that i'm not gonna lie there's loads of dangerous adults out out there like yeah. in in teaching a lot of the time schools show this thing called chicken shop grooming um mm. i do sometimes feel like it is a little bit unrealistic but yeah. basically the premise of the video is um it's like a guy who offers these children chicken and chips on their way home from school okay so he pays for them and then yeah. now they're like in debt in to de him. okay yeah, and yeah. now because they're in debt to him they're suddenly going to go to ipswich and like take and, part like, in county lines and, and sell yeah, some yeah, yeah. cocaine on the side now yeah. obviously it's not it doesn't happen exactly yeah. in that way but actually it's a fair point that yeah. there are adults like, small steps that exactly. kind of lead towards that there are yeah. adults who don't have good intentions for kids yeah, of course you know yeah, yeah. so and i feel like that um exposes children to a lot more danger because now it's like you have a much higher chance of, I know people focus on them like perpetrating crimes, but yeah. actually you also have a much higher chance of becoming a victim of crime. Yeah. You know, the first excluded kid I ever worked with was actually a Somali boy um, from West London. He, in broad daylight one day, got stabbed to death by someone wow. um, he had previously gone to school with yeah. who'd also been permanently excluded. Yeah. And the craziest part was, I think it was the next day, so it was a Friday, he was actually on his way to Jum'a Prayer. Yeah. Um, it was... I think the day before he, he was going to be flying out of the country to kind of start his life again. Yeah. He was going to move to, I think it was Egypt. Okay, just wow. 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he just turned 17 that week. Um, yeah, got a call. He was stabbed to death. Yeah. Um, you know, supporting his mum through that funeral. His funeral was actually the first I ever went to in yeah. my life. It was just seeing the effect it had on his mum, his siblings, yeah. his entire family, the wider community. Like, I, I genuinely would never forget it. Yeah. And like, it just made me feel like, you know what? It's a Friday. It's a school day. Yeah. Um, it's like midday. You would have been at school. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Literally, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You would have like, been at school. There was no way for you to not be in school. Exactly. And like, it was something I just never forgot. Yeah. And that like, kind of contributed why I went into teaching anyway. But like, even though I understand why exclusions happen, I think it's really sad. Yeah. And 
I definitely think that schools could do more. No, of course. And I know, like, from p- first-hand experience, speaking to the kids that were getting... Because the way that it kind of happened was, like, some weird, like, sort of sudden death, like, roulette, where each week someone would be taken out from class and then they'll be perm excluded once they Gosh. did their, like, statement checks and all this kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So it was, like, a weird, anxious kind of time. And then I spoke to a couple of them that did get kicked out and like you could just see that they used to be hella energetic because you're you're going to school your friends are there that you've grown up with for like five years and now it's like you've been forced into like you said bad school and everyone kind of knew that it was a bad school and then they're like yo like the whole like demeanor the whole the way they were just completely changed and um and they sort of like became a shell of themselves because and i don't know if a lot of them actually did finish there I think um probably not like yeah you know i think i was going to say with the uh, like the attendancy thing do they get checked on or is it like they just kind of don't have that thing where people check at home if they're coming in or not they do so we still check um you know we've got like a safeguarding team we'll still check you'll still do the call and stuff but ultimately you can't force them like i I saw i know schools that have um something called a battle bus where they will actually drive to your house if okay. you're not in school, but that's mainstream. Yeah. And um, but in our school, you'll get the call, um, but you can't be physically forced. Uh, yeah. If if it crosses a certain threshold, then I think the local authority get involved and like yeah. the parents get fined and all sorts of things. Which as well, I don't even think is helpful because yeah. like, do you know what I mean? It's a cost of living crisis. Yeah, of course, there yeah, are so loads of kids as well that, that don't yeah. listen to their parents. Yeah. There are so I've met a lot of parents who cannot go up to their child and be like go to school yeah you know that child will be like no yeah. i'm not going and there's also a massive rise in mental health issues like um there's this thing called children missing from education yeah it's like kids with things like long covid yeah. um just anxiety issues ever since you know they got so used to lockdown like yeah. the current year 11s they were in year seven when we had our first lockdown oh. so their entire secondary school experience yeah has been covid in some weird COVID yeah. Stay, yeah so there are some kids who actually never returned to yeah. school um and yeah like they get the call but i think it says a lot do you know what mm. i mean like if the average attendance in the mainstream is a lot higher than yeah. it is in you know alternative provisions or you know schools for excluded yeah. children then i think it says a lot yeah. about how important it is for children to stay in mainstream yeah no of course of course and um I was going to then kind of go get into kind of, um, I guess, the trauma aspects of, we can kind of say the the kids moving into that and kind of how it would be. But before we kind of get into that, I just kind of wanted to know um, what brought you kind of into teaching and wanting to kind of take the path that you took. Sure. So um, I had this amazing teacher at yeah. school called Mr. Leveson. Um, I actually wrote a blog about him not long ago. And um, yeah, it got so many responses that made me so emotional that I actually couldn't even, like, I couldn't yeah. even get through reading all of them. But um, he, essentially, he died two years ago. But yeah. um, he was like, honestly, I don't have the words for how amazing a teacher he was. Yeah. And I wouldn't say he inspired me to go into teaching. But actually, when I was um, in my last year of school, year 13, like, I was doing really well at school. But yeah. I had, I faced a lot of hurdles at school as well, like... Um, even though I did really well at GCSE, I had really like quite low predictions yeah. at A level, and you know there were things that I found really you know triggering and yeah. upsetting. And he really supported me through that. And 
I, you know, had kept my head down. I was working really hard. Yeah. And um, I remember he told me that Somalis had been highlighted by Ofsted as the lowest achieving ethnic group in Abara at the time. And wow, I was doing yeah. really well. So on results day, I basically got all A stars and A's. Um, yeah. And I got a scholarship <laughs> yeah. yeah, to uni. Yeah. And this was like at the same time that Somalis in the area that I grew up in. And I had, you know, all the same hallmarks. I was free school meals. Yeah. I was, you know, lived on a council estate, yeah. et cetera. Um, I actually ended up hearing from um, people that worked in our local council. And I even got a letter from the Department for Education as well. And they were essentially quite interested in understanding how yeah. I had done so well at school um, because there wasn't a lot known yeah. about Somalis. And um, I remember people would tell me, oh my God, you'd make a great teacher. And I'd be like, Ugh, you know, it's such a British like school yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, no one grew up wanting to be a yeah, teacher. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, a few, a minority. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, no, it 100%. was so normal at school yeah. to just look down on teaching. Yeah, you know? yeah, which is why now I don't feel any type of way when people are like to me, oh, like like teaching is, is kind of like you're like, oh, you're learning to kind of get away from school and then you end up back in school. Yeah. That's kind of how you would see it. Yeah. Obviously, I think when you grow up, you kind of realize just how important yeah. teachers are. I mean, I, I love it. I can't lie. Like yeah. I remember I used to think, why on earth, you know, would I want to, why would I leave school to come back to, to come school? Like, yeah, I remember yeah. saying that. Yeah. yeah. But now, you know what I realized? I don't even really acknowledge January as a new year. I'm such a September to August yeah, person. Yeah, same, same. It works so yeah, much better yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah. So like, I feel like, you know what, I was actually well suited to teaching, but it took me a long time to accept yeah. it. Then when I was at uni, I still kept hearing it. I was actually tutoring children for free at the time. Yeah. Um, in Some in my local area, some in other areas, but I was teaching a lot of Somali kids, helping them with a lot of different subjects. And yeah. um, their parents, them, like they would all say, you'd make a great teacher. So when I was at uni, um, I went to a an event for this thing called Teach First. So it was yeah. just like an event. They were trying to like, there was a drive to like recruit teachers. Yeah. And I found the whole thing so alienating. Like it mm. was just loads of people there talking about disadvantaged inner city London kids, this, this, that. And yeah. I just, a every single shoe fit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I still felt like um, these people didn't understand what they were talking about. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like children don't need you to save them. Mm. Like they want you to understand them and value them and yeah, support yeah, them. Yeah, and yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Don't pity them. I remember at school, I could tell when a teacher pitied me yeah. or when they, you know, saw me as my background and yeah. not the actual individual they had in front of them. Yeah. So like, I just remember going to this event thinking, you know what, this is so like, this is not, f teaching's not for me. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. doing it. So um, I planned a gap year anyway. So when I was about to start my gap year, um, the local authority got in touch with me and essentially offered me a job. So I'd done stuff with them yeah. over the course of uni. I'd like presented events. Okay, so every yeah, year yeah, there yeah. used to be an uh, annual event. It was called the Ealing Somali Youth Event. Yeah. Um, it was held every year for about 120 Somali kids okay. that were like on the periphery of exclusion or mm. maybe had a family member in prison or, you know, were at risk of educational underachievement yeah. or were underachieving. Like they just used to invite a lot of people. The local police would be there, um, MPs, councillors, like just a lot of people. Yeah. And I was the presenter for it from my teens. And um, also I was you know, often used as an example of a Somali child that had done well yeah. at school. So I was present- Just I poster child for <laughs> yeah. every Somali. Yeah, um, but yeah, so I used to present that and then um, ended up going, yeah, so I had done that for quite a few years by the time I was finishing uni. Yeah. So what essentially happened is I was offered a full-time job Okay, yeah, before yeah. I'd even like gone to my graduation, yeah. why don't you come join us, work with Somalis across the borough? Yeah. And I just thought, you know what? I was why gonna not? take a gap here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, you know, I'm going into the working world. And genuinely looking back, 
I mean, it was only, I was only meant to do it for a few months. Yeah. I ended up there for two years. Oh, wow. Um, and looking back, it's like one of the best decisions I ever made because yeah. everything I learned there is what helped me in my teaching career. Yeah. And um, But to answer your question as to why I went into teaching, during those two years, I worked with, you know, as I told you, a boy that there was that excluded boy who'd been murdered. Yeah. I, um, you know, had stood in court. Yeah. You know, I'd written... Um, what's it called again? Witness impact statements, yeah. like victim impact statements. Yeah. Um, I had advocated for people on a national level. I'd met the Home Secretary to oh, give wow. advice yeah, yeah, on yeah. counter-terrorism and how it targets Muslims. Yeah. Um, I just did a lot. I've worked with the police. I was given like a Queen's Award. Okay. I did a, a lot of stuff. Yeah. And um, But there was one boy in particular I used to work with that um, actually got stabbed in the face when he was just in year 10. Wow. And ended up permanently excluded really quickly after that. Um, and in my opinion, you know, the school hadn't done enough to help him yeah. go kind of cope with what he'd gone through. So they, so he got stabbed in the face. Yeah, so. And then they also permanently excluded him. Yeah, so not for that, not but for, for something, something that. So, you know what, I'll actually tell you the story. <laughs> Since I've raised it, I feel like I might as well mention it. Yeah. Um, so this was a boy... So what happened was I was working, I think it was across eight schools at one point. So each of those schools would give me a list of children they felt were on the periphery of exclusion. Yeah. In all honesty, even that I somewhat don't support because how do you know that someone's at risk of exclusion yeah. before they've before even they been excluded? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I, I already had my reservations, but also they were, these were like, you know, really decent school staff. Yeah. They didn't, I didn't have to be there, but they were schools that were trying really hard to do something that's, you know, culturally specific to Somalis or like they actually made the effort to okay. get to, you know, find yeah. source Somalis in the local area who could actually come into their and school. And try to so like, bridge something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like at the same time, I do like quite highly rate the, these schools. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I went into this particular school. It was the one I was talking about earlier that was like on the border of yeah. healing. Um, and one of the kids that I was working with, all the kids, they were all really nice kids. Um. But there was one boy in particular who I'd been working with who... I, we had an Easter break yeah. and so I didn't see him. And just before the Easter break, I fell over one day, long story, but yeah, <laughs> I had to go to A&E yeah. to get this bone checked out. So I wasn't in, so I didn't see him for a total of three weeks. Yeah. And then when I came back into the school after the Easter holiday, he, I, I used to do um, a mental session with him, mentoring. I saw him with like a massive like bandage like thing on his yeah. face. And I was just like, what happened what to happened? you? Yeah. And I was like, you know, come into the room, tell me about it. He comes in and he was like, oh, I was watching TV with my mum and my siblings, um, you know, just before the Easter holiday. So yeah. I think it was the day that I'd missed when I got the injury. Um, and he was like, there was a knock on the door. And because I was closest to the door, my mum was like, go answer it. Yeah. So he said, I went to go answer it. And it was two people in like ballets, you know, two um. people in balaclavas. And um, I heard a flick knife. So I tried to shut the door. Yeah. Um, and, he, you know, he said they tried to like reach for my chest, but I pushed yeah. the door, but they got him in the face. And this is, he's 15 years old, yeah, 15 yeah, yeah. years old, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I'm now in the school, so I'm talking to him, you know, trying yeah. to make him feel better. But in my head, you know, I'm getting really angry thinking, sorry, why did the school not think to raise this? Yeah. This is really this serious. Is serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at, um, at the end of that session, I went straight to the school, actually had an in-house clinical psychologist that yeah. was based in the school, which yeah. in my opinion is really rare for us. I've never seen I've it never, since. Yeah, that's what I'm First saying. First and last time I that. saw that. Yeah. Um, so I went to go see her and I, you know, I raised the whole thing. She obviously already knew about it, but I was like, you know, this kid 
needs an urgent referral like is, is there any way he can get counseling yeah. you know because in that meeting he told me so much stuff like you know i'm really scared when i leave my house now i'm constantly looking around thinking who was it because yeah. you know they could recognize me but i can't recognize okay, yeah, them yeah, and yeah. that's a very like serious it's, point yeah. and you know he was like i've started to sleep with a knife under my pillow because in case they come back like yeah. that's really sad that's trauma as well. so exactly so um i went straight to this clinical psychologist it just so happened that she was going on maternity leave she was heavily pregnant i didn't really know her yeah. i was only in the school like once a week um i think maybe it was her last week i don't know i don't think anything ended up happening yeah. but about a week after that before i even got to see him again um, he was permanently excluded. So what yeah. essentially happened was because he'd been stabbed in the face, he no longer felt safe traveling home from school yeah. by himself. Um, so he started to travel it on a bus yeah. with other friends. And on one of the days that he did it, there was a friend from his school who had a relative, a younger cousin in another school yeah. that's further along the bus route, like past his house. Yeah. And that friend basically said, oh, I'm going over there you know, like to go help my cousin, someone stole his bike or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they were like, come or whatever. And yeah. obviously he, he was, he had to choose between get, getting off the bus, going home alone, alone you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. or traveling yeah, in a group. Friends, yeah. So he traveled in a group. Yeah. Long story short, um, he was accused of physically assaulting the head teacher of this other school. So when I saw the paperwork, whenever someone's excluded, you get paperwork like that thick. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's called a bundle and it's like everything they've ever done. Chewing in year seven, oh, you know, every, no the whole record, yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. but also all the good stuff. So it's like really thick. It's basically yeah. the school just print your entire record yeah. and they post it to your house. So um, whilst I was waiting for that, the exclusion letter came through. It was from, um, you know, the head teacher of this other school. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, an outstanding school in the local area. It was actually a school I was quite familiar with. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I saw the letter, I just thought this kid doesn't stand a chance. Yeah. A head teacher has said that you've hit him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I was no, like, I, I knew I was coming to his exclusion meeting. Yeah. I was going to advocate for him. I was still going to talk about all of these things, you know, try my best to give him a fighting chance yeah. to get him kept in the school. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? We need to do some damage control. Like, you're going to apologize. Yeah. Write this apology it right was, now. It was another school's head teacher that he yeah. hit. Yeah, yeah, that's, was it that's confirmed what the story as well? was. So this kid, this little smiley boy, you know, he's like, yeah. Wallahi, like when I, I was talking to him, he was like, Wallahi, I didn't hit him, yeah. he hit me. And I was just <laughs> like, listen, like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I wanted to believe him, but also I was like... He just hit you, yeah? Yeah, like, <laughs> so he, this head teacher's made the effort to write this massive letter. And by yeah. the way, do you know what was sad? There was four of them, and the only reason why he was identified was because the head teacher, yeah, obviously the uniform, yeah. they were all in uniform, but the head teacher said a boy with a scar on his face, straight yeah. up, yeah. you know, the school caught him. I don't yeah. think they even, I don't remember, I don't think anyone else got a permanent exclusion off the back of it, only he did, oh, which, yeah, is re yeah. which is really sad. But I remember him saying, well, I didn't hit him, I didn't even go into the school, I didn't. Yeah. He was like, he hit me, he hit me, well, yeah. I, he asked me, well, I, and I was just like, like, I, I listened to everything he said, yeah. but I also didn't know what to make of it. I was like, we're not gonna say that in your exclusion yeah. meeting. You're gonna apologize and leave the rest to me. Like mm. I'm gonna talk about your background, trauma, etc. Because yeah. a lot has happened to him. So I wrote, you know, a really long letter for him. Um, you know, I, I represented him in this exclusion. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately it wasn't overturned. Yeah. Um, he had to end up going to the local pru, which I took him to for his first day and yeah. everything. Um, but at the same time, when he was just starting to pick up his life. So he started at that pre at the end of year 10. On his first day of year 11, his mum called me like in tears. And she basically said she got a call from the police saying he has to come to the police station. Oh, wow. Um, and 
it, it's for that as essentially they'll explain when he's there but he needs to be interviewed yeah. so she called me um and i'm not even joking that head teacher pressed charges for assault no but way. where it this is when it took a turn of yeah. events yeah so now because initially when he was getting excluded i would have loved to have seen cctv mm. but like you know in education you have to read the room yeah another head teacher has said you've this child this 15 year old who already didn't even have a good behavior record yeah. has hit him and come to his school yeah. like you don't have much of a leg to stand on yeah. do you know what i mean we weren't really in a position to demand mm, well show us the cctv yeah, yeah, then. do course, you know what i mean yeah. the school couldn't do that yeah so um i i kind of understood where the head teacher of the actual school where the boy was getting excluded yeah. from I, I understood their side as well but obviously i still tried my best anyway now the police have the cctv yeah I will never forget the CCTV. And oh by the no. way, I've made about 10 copies of it. Yeah. Like I've guarded that more than anything. Yeah. Like exactly as the kid said, yeah, he never went into the school. He was actually stood on the main road and it was, you could see in the CCTV, the head teacher comes out of the school car park and this boy is like facing the other way yeah. and turns around. Like obviously there's no audio. He must've turned around because he was, you know, prompted by yeah. his head teacher. And um, like you see the head teacher almost like push him yeah. away, like, but like in his like face. Yeah. And then he like pushes or punches the head teacher back or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. kind of shoves him back. Yeah. Oh wow! So and I'm just sat there now in this police station thinking this he was right all along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was like, is this head teacher okay? Like yeah. why? Do you know after, what I mean? but this is after he's press charges. Yeah, he's like, out of school, yeah. So he'd, he'd been. I think it was April. Yeah. When he'd been excluded, and this was the first of September. Yeah. So he'd already been excluded. Yeah. He'd been gone a while. He was at his new school. You know, it was his first day of year 11, just kind of ready to move on. Yeah. I could not believe what I was seeing. Um, I actually begged begged his yeah. solicitors for a copy of that CCTV because yeah. I couldn't get it from the police. And they were like, no, no, no. But I just pressed and pressed and pressed. Yeah. I even went back to their offices. I, like, I had to Google where it was, went there and like begged them and they gave it to me. Yeah. And I've still got it. But like, um, I ended up taking him to his court case which would have been november mm. so it would have been two months into year 11. Year 11 he yeah. had that hanging over his head yeah um i you know spoke to the judge i uh, the head teacher didn't even show up um so imagine this poor kid's yeah. thinking he's gonna get a criminal record um anyway the judge was so appalled by yeah. this like happening that okay. she just threw out the case you know he oh, got NFA. Yeah, 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 yeah. um and you know i remember him running out of the court he was like you know i bust case i bust case and um i remember his solicitor was like she she said um oh, sorry what do you mean you lost your you lost your briefcase i i will never forget that she thought because he kept saying he kept yeah. saying i bust case yeah, yeah. but she oh, for some okay, reason yeah, had yeah, i lost yeah, my yeah. briefcase <laughs> So like I, I just yeah. remember trying to explain to her. And by the way, that solicitor as well that he had, yeah. um, he actually had another one. You know, um, I mean, I got to know in the process uh, up until that point, I didn't really know anyone that had been to prison. Well, I'd never really accompanied anyone yeah. in the criminal justice system. But he was like one of the first. But um, I remember the initial solicitor that he was assigned was yeah. awful. Like okay. he was almost laughing at him. Like I remember when I told him, look, this boy was right all along. Yeah. You know, he got hit by a head teacher and he's actually even lost his school place off yeah. the back of this and it wasn't even true. He kind of like scoffed and was like, well, you know, the head teacher has an OBE and he's Whoa, a 15 wow. year old boy who's wow. you know currently in the police yeah. station. And I like wrote a formal complaint yeah. and they changed. It's really hard because you get like legal aid for free at that yeah. age, I think, or maybe everyone does. I don't really remember now, but um, I remember it being a complicated process to get the solicitors to change. Yeah. You don't get much of a, 
it's very much a beggars can't be choosers kind yeah. of situation with the criminal justice system. But anyway, I was able to get his solicitor changed because I didn't want, I wow. felt like that child had already had yeah. quite a traumatic time. <laughs> so yeah, that in the end, the solicitor we did have thought we were so weird. Yeah. But, you know, I was really happy for him. And um, I saw him on GCSE results day. Yeah. He had essentially done well in his GCSEs. Okay, yeah, um, and just seeing him in the street that day, I saw him in Shepherd's Bush. Mm. I just was so proud of him that day that I actually just went home and applied to get into teaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no. And, and can I say a quick oh, round of thank applause? You, thank you. All right. For, <laughs> for you and also just how important it is to actually have someone of like i guess your own culture as well to kind of like represent you because there there's a lot of people that even as solicitor that wouldn't go that far as to like helping out the the kid who would just been like, okay well this kid's done he's up against the head teacher but like even the amount of stuff that you've put the effort that you've put in for this kid is something that's like as i was listening to i was like this is unheard of like the chances <laughs> of you finding someone like this is 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 crazy and and obviously that work that you do is you can't you can't put a price on it and especially to him and to to everyone else that's that you've helped out along the way of course and um which kind of brings me into as well your own case with the whole tribunal thing um and like kind of like if we could kind of know how that kind of went down and sure. then how you got over that sure um, so just to go back to that story, by the way, yeah, I'm still yeah. in touch with his mum loves me. No, his I can imagine. Loves me. <laughs> she called. She actually called me recently out of the blue and was like, "Yasmin, like, you yeah. know, how are you?" I remember she used to buy me like before I left West London. She used to buy me like um, you know halwa, smile yeah. biscuits, just randomly all the time. Yeah. So she's still in touch with me actually, and um, I spoke to him recently. Um, so it's weird now because back then I was, yeah. I think I was 21, yeah. and he would have been about 15. But now we're actually a lot close it in feels age, close yeah, in age. Yeah, so yeah, i did yeah, say yeah, like yeah. sorry you will always be that year 10 boy <laughs> yeah, in my head yeah, do you know yeah. what i mean but it's actually really weird now to be in the same decade yeah. as these kids that have grown up but um yeah so what i find funny is i and obviously had this court case that i feel like everyone and everyone knows me for this um, court case yeah. but what i find al almost funny about it is what the school wouldn't have known about me is I'd already kind of gone through so many legal battles on behalf of all these excluded yeah, kids yeah. that I feel like prepared me quite well yeah. for my own case, which obviously I never, I never anticipated. I never saw it coming. <laughs> I never ever thought I'd have a court case, yeah. but you know, it prepared me quite well. Cause mm. I, by that point I was so aware of how many public services can let people down yeah. and how a lot of people are just blagging it in all honesty. Yeah. A lot of people are in roles or whatever, but everyone to some degree is just faking just it. Yeah, yeah, you know, course, so yeah. so I feel like I was very heavily underestimated. Yeah. But in the end it's something that helped me. Yeah. So to get into that, um so after I ran into that kid and I decided to apply to teaching, because it was August so this was August twenty seventeen. Yeah. Um it was very late because you know obviously applications open uh, um they opened it they would have opened in like maybe september 2016 yeah. so by this point they would have recruited almost every teacher that was going to be starting that academic year yeah. but i just so happened to apply and um you know it was a very quick turnaround my interview everything was done in a week yeah. and i went to the institute of education for my interview and um essentially I was the last person they let onto the case. So I told them that story. I told mm. them why I'd applied to teaching. I was yeah. like, I know this is a really last second decision, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think I should go into teaching yeah. and they, they loved it. They were like, you know, you start next week kind of vibe, okay, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, I was the last person they en enrolled that year. And um, yeah, I remember 
when just like any other time you start uni so i was at ucl you have to feel you know occupational health or just mm. answer questions about your health and i just remember ticking no 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 yeah, to yeah, everything yeah, yeah. just straightforward bought my passport they scanned it yeah just went to the lectures like it was so straightforward to start yeah. right two months in um i was sent to a catholic school for mm. placement i loved it yeah. my mom was a little bit concerned that yeah. i liked it that much but i <laughs> loved it um and I, i'd been there for about two weeks when one day i just woke up with like a headache like yeah. like you know like an eye headache mm. like i woke up and i remember my i woke up on my right side eye and headache, my yeah. yeah i just had one of those headaches <laughs> that just feels like it's in your eye yeah, yeah. um and i went to school and i kind of forgot about it and until my mentor was like she was telling us she'd had laser eye surgery yeah. so um i was like oh yeah i just remembered actually i've got an eye headache like mm. i just remember telling her don't know why i did but yeah. i did um and then i was in lesson and i remember just finding I don't know, something about the room looked weird. And I've had glasses since I was a kid, but okay. I've had a terrible track record for wearing them. Yeah. I'm only like really minor correction and it's yeah. just for like long distance. So I, I could get away yeah, with yeah. not wearing it. So I never really did. So I thought, you know what, maybe like I, maybe my vision's deteriorated and I need yeah. to go spec savers. So I just happened to call them and they just so happened to have an appointment that day. Okay. Um, yeah. So I drove there. I remember loads of people blowing their horn at me. Yeah. Like, all, and I just remember thinking like, what's wrong what's with everyone? On, like, yeah. Why is everyone so aggy? Like <laughs> did not for a second think that I was the issue. Yeah, it was their fault, of course. Yeah, yeah. so I get spec savers and yeah, the, the optician looks in my eye and honestly about 30 seconds later, she turned the room light on and I just thought, she, yeah. and then she left, she was like, I need to go get a second opinion. And I just thought, this is bad, yeah. honestly. I just, honestly, I, didn't, I don't know what I expected her to see, but I just thought this has to be bad. Anyway, yeah. someone else came in, looked in my eye, um, then they started writing a letter and they sealed it and they wrote on their um, eye hospital and they were like, you need to go to the eye hospital. Your optic nerve looks inflamed oh, or wow. looks raised. She yeah. didn't say inflamed. She says raised. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I went shopping. Oh, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, I went shopping. And I thought I wanted new board pens. Yeah. You know, I was in my like teacher aesthetic era. Yeah. Um, so I just, yeah, I went out and then I went home. At the time I was living with my mum. So I went to my mum's. I told her. She literally grabbed the Quran. Yeah got in the car, drove, <laughs> drove me straight to our hospital. Yeah. Um, and I was there, like still in my work clothes. Like yeah. I was there till about five, six AM the next morning. Um, and essentially when they finally saw me, uh, this ophthalmologist, I think he's called, yeah. he, you know, he kind of checked me over and then he like went through some drawers and then he pulled out like some red, like little like pot. Yeah. And he held it up and he was like, what color is that? And I was like, orange, pink, like I wasn't sure. And he just kind of clicked his fingers and he was like, you've got a condition called optic neuritis. Um, yeah. And he was like, you know, consider yourself lucky. This makes some people go blind. Yeah. Um, he was like, but your vision seems intact. So he was like, just go home and we're going to send you an appointment a few weeks from now. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I'm not going to Google this. I've never heard of it. <laughs> just went home. Um, and, you know, I kept thinking about the fact that he said, you know, you're quite lucky. Like this makes some people go blind. Yeah. Next morning, woke up blind. Like I couldn't. Like if I, I was to split yeah. my vision in like half, I could see the top half, I think, and not the bottom half. Yeah. So like if I looked down, I couldn't see you my feet. See, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my other eye was completely normal. But what's crazy is it wasn't like it, it's not like um, the typical like textbook blindness. Mm. 
it was optic nerves. So it, my eyes were seeing fine. Yeah. It's just the nerves that carry the image to my brain to interpret it wasn't working. It wasn't working yeah. So it was like the weirdest experience ever. Yeah. Like I lost color vision, I lost vision, I lost like depth perception. So if I looked, anything I looked at looked like a drawing on paper. Yeah. So like, you yeah, know. You couldn't tell how yeah. far and close. So like, and, yeah, yeah it's, you know, if someone sat opposite me yeah. and they sat on a sofa, you know how you would be able to you tell could layer your fun. vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't, everything yeah. looked like just two dimensions yeah um it was so weird so so weird so i was home like that for two weeks and then um, my mom just couldn't bear it anymore like yeah. every day she'd grab an object just it'd get bigger and bigger and she'd be like can you see it and like i would always tell her i couldn't and yeah. so like she'd go to work she'd come back she'd do it again so after a while i st i just ended up telling her the truth i'd be like no no i mean i started to lie i'd say yeah. i could see it i could see it okay. because i didn't want my mom like worry. what worry and stuff yeah so i'd be like yeah i think i can see i can see it because my other eye was fine yeah um anyway my mom couldn't cope with it anymore so she ended up taking me to a different eye hospital in yeah. west london and that one you know it's so crazy it I've, sometimes i feel like the nhs is a bit of a lottery mm. like it actually just depends really on who you get so yeah. the ophthalmologist i had that time could not believe i'd been at home for that long and she basically got me admitted straight away to a and &E. I went into hospital and they told me that it's a condition that's often associated with um, a condition called multiple sclerosis yeah. they said you you're now in like a risk category for developing that in the future oh, wow. like in they said distant future so yeah, I was yeah, thinking yeah. 60s 60s you know um, <laughs> that's for okay you know um, yeah. but they were like we're gonna test you now anyway they did they ran some tests found out basically overnight you do essentially have MS. They never said it. They never said it to me. They just told me that um, my MRI showed, yeah. um, like they can see like spots on your MRI yeah. from like the past. Um, and then obviously I had the optic neuritis and um, they basically put a needle in your spine in a procedure called a spinal tap or a yeah. lumbar puncture. Yeah. They put a needle in your spine and they take out your cerebrospinal fluid and they test that. So that was the only result that didn't come, that doesn't come back straight away. So, yeah. but in my mind, you know, I actually did, a science degree i had a huge interest in neuro science yeah. weirdly ms was one of the conditions i was hugely interested in yeah. so like i already knew a lot about it yeah. and um i in my head took it as this is a diagnosis like i know enough about science to know that i probably yeah. have this condition but i didn't get the official diagnosis until the end of my teaching um program okay. um in so july 2018 yeah. so i actually got my qualified teacher status and my ms diagnosis in the same week in the same week yeah wow. so I how got was them. that honestly like if i could describe how i felt I would just say I felt numb. Yeah. Like I don't remember feeling proud of myself for yeah. qualifying as a teacher, but I also don't remember being upset about yeah. being diagnosed with a condition. I just didn't feel anything. Yeah. Um, but that's when things got, I would say, really complicated because I was moving, I was in the process of moving to East London. Yeah. I'd had this new diagnosis, I had this new um qualification, I had my first job offer to start a school in September, and yeah, you know. In my head, I was trying to reconcile this new diagnosis as part of my identity. Yeah. Like, I remember finding it really confusing. Like, how do I contact a school? Because yeah. I had the job offer before my MS diagnosis. Yeah. I just thought, how do I contact a school and say, hi, like, I've got this diagnosis. Like, what happens now? Yeah. Like, I didn't know anything yeah. about the process. As to, like, how to change yeah. it and everything. So, and also, because I'd never been a teacher before and it was my yeah. first teaching job, I also didn't know what, what that's like. So yeah. like, it was a really weird time. You know, yeah. I just felt like a blank canvas. Yeah. But essentially that was the start of my court case. Yeah. And it was the, 
it was it trying to then essentially get the disability on the thing or was it that Same. kind of made them a problem for them or was it like that you get did you get an ms then make it a problem to get the job or like what was the problem on that end with the situation honestly it's a good question because I, I wondered the same for yeah. a long time like what what is the problem <laughs> so like when I was at um, UCL I was really well supported yeah. um, I knew the diagnosis was coming all year so um, I was on very good terms with my tutor mentor like tutor yeah. for my um, training I'm actually still in contact with her as well I saw her earlier this year yeah. um, she was really supportive and so was the uni they sent me to occupational health I remember the doctors there telling me like you know you're protected by the law you're protected by the law yeah. so in my head I'm thinking you know I'm going to this school but I'm protected by the law yeah um, so I essentially contacted them before I joined and I said look I've been diagnosed with MS um, I was really you know looking back I can't even believe how honest I was um, yeah. like I, I knew I always knew that I was going to be honest anyway, but like I just, just looking back yeah. after everything that's happened, like I, I actually can't believe how, you know, it was it was an email that actually really helped me in my court case, but I'll, I'll get to that. But um, essentially I said, I've just been diagnosed with MS. Yeah. I said that I don't know how it's going to affect me. Yeah. Um, I said, you know, I've been told that it's a condition that's going to worsen. I said, currently, the only symptoms I have is migraines and fatigue. Yeah. Um, and I said, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. But you guys let me know, essentially, anything that you want me to do. Because I, yeah. I assumed that I would have to go to occupational health the same way I did at UCL yeah. and all of those things, right? So, like, I just kind of laid everything out then and there. Yeah. They replied saying, we're still happy, you know, to welcome you to the school, etc." And I remember it was quite a cold email, but, yeah. like, what can you do? Like, yeah. th they didn't know me. I didn't know them. I just thought, I'm going to take it on the chin yeah. and join the school. So I did. And on my very first day there, which would have been the 1st of September, you yeah. know, staff training day, it's, like, my first day of teaching, first day in the work force with yeah. ms like it's just a lot of firsts yeah, right a lot of firsts, yeah. i had just started immunosuppressants um it just so happened it was the day that i'd run out and i was told that so i'd finished my first six week supply of yeah. like i was taking two tablets a day um but I just to like clarify what is, is it to what was it do so what ms what ms essentially is it's your immune system so your white blood cells attack your nerves yeah um and so the way that it's treated is you essentially reduce someone's um, immune system so okay. white blood cells so yeah. you're essentially taking tablets that will target a particular type of white blood cell that's known to, to target yeah. your nerves they'll just make the numbers plummet and yeah. hope that because you've got less of those you're going to have less ms attacks and therefore less progression yeah. to disability um and so i was taking that yeah but because they're so like potent and you know they're they're so strong yeah you have to be monitored very regularly you have to have regular blood tests so you're not even allowed to pick up your next supply until you've had a blood test but i didn't know this yeah. right i had just started my just, first yeah, batch yeah, of course, you know of course, yeah. so i then you know whilst i'm there i get a call so you need to come to the hospital today um for your blood test or you can't pick up your new medication so in my head i'm thinking well, if I can't have my medication, then I'm going to have a, an MS relapse. Yeah. And I don't want to have an MS relapse. It's my first day in teaching, yeah. you know? Um, so I went to my mentor and, you know, she was like, you need to speak to the head of biology. Yeah. So I went to go speak to, you know, this head of science and again, repeated, you know, I've been diagnosed with yeah. MS. I, I need to go to hospital. 
And you know, it's, it's really, really hard to tell oh, people this. Yeah. She was like, you need to go speak to her manager who was one of the um, senior leaders in the school. Yeah. So I went and told him, completely diff different experience with this man. He essentially was like to me, I know you have a mess. Like you emailed the school a couple of months ago, like we all know kind of thing. Okay. And I just was taken aback straight yeah, away. Yeah, but yeah. I thought, well, what can I do? Like I, I didn't know how teaching works at yeah. that point. I didn't know what information is shared. Yeah. I'd never even heard of GDPR at that point. Yeah. I think, did you it come really out know after? How deep it yeah, was, I yeah. just didn't know anything. Yeah. Um, he basically was like to me, admitting that you've got an illness so early in your career is like a character flaw. And he was what? like, you need to think carefully about whether or not you want, you know, to tell us that you have MS and whether you want that on your record. So I'm now sat there like in <laughs> shock. What? Um, and he, then he was like, I'm not gonna let you leave. Like I'm gonna, I, I needed to leave half an hour early because yeah. obviously I grew up in West London. I was registered to a West London hospital. Yeah. I had just moved to East London. So even the area I was familiar with, I'd never even been to the train station yeah. before. My car was still at my mum's. So like, I would have to like get there on the train. Like yeah. it, everything was new to me. Yeah. He was like, I'm not gonna let you leave half an hour early. He was like, at the end of the day, you need to prove like, are you committed to the school or wow. not? You know? And he was like, if if you show that you are committed to us and our yeah. school, then we'll let you leave for bigger things down the line. And I'm just sat there like remembering what I was told at UCL, yeah. you know, the laws on your side, you know, this so I'm just like baffled. Yeah. Didn't know what to do. Went, just went back to the science office, yeah. did my work. The whole time I'm just, you know, clock watching, thinking, when am I gonna go yeah, am i gonna make it i'm yeah. not gonna make it i'm not gonna have the blood test and then if i don't have the blood test i'm not gonna have my medication yeah. if i don't have my medication maybe i'll die like i didn't yeah, know what was yeah, gonna no, happen course, you know yeah. i mean so anyway i ended up getting a lift from a colleague to the station which saved me about 10 minutes yeah. the whole way there like i think i took two trains to get there ran into the hospital um burst into tears when yeah. I got there because the nurse was ready to leave and like begged her yeah, yeah. and she did the blood test for me just out of goodwill yeah. so I made it like maybe a minute or two before closing time yeah. she did the blood test for me and um yeah I was able to get my medication but I was so stressed out so stressed out by it and MS is actually exacerbated by stress yeah. that when I got home so when I got up the next day my vision had gone blurry again Ugh. um I was feeling really like off I still went to school for the yeah. whole week but I essentially knew that I had optic neuritis again because I'd had it, you know, about almost a year prior when yeah. I was training and I just knew the science. So this time I'd got it in my left eye and um, I was so scared to tell the school that I actually didn't tell them. I went into school for the whole week. So yeah. imagine that was a Monday when yeah. that happened. I came in on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Like it was like my first blurred week of vision teaching. And everything. Blurred vision, dizzy. Like yeah. even if I turned, I would feel like I was like spinning. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, it's my first week ever in teaching. I'm introducing myself to all my classes for yeah. the first time. Like I did not say anything. I waited until Friday yeah. to go to A&E, um, to go to this eye hospital. Yeah. That, yeah. So that was like my first ever week in teaching. It just got worse from there. Like yeah. um, there was so much that happened. Like I remember once asking to be taken off break duty and the same manager, the senior yeah. leader was like, um, what did he say to me? He was like, um, if you're unfit to do break duty, you know, are you unfit to teach? And I was really offended. What? I actually went to complain to this the head teacher. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was just so much happened um, yeah. that I essentially decided to resign. I just yeah. thought, cause in your first year of teaching, so you have your training year, but then you still have to do another year to get like full qualified teacher status. Yeah. So now it's actually changed. It's now three years. But when I was doing it, I was like it one was of the two. last years where it was just two. So yeah. in my head, a big part of why I was still going in was because I still wanted to qualify as a teacher. Yeah. So, um, but I got to a day where I just thought, 
I don't want to cope with this anymore. Yeah. Like the school is awful. Like so much happened. Yeah. We could be here all day, honestly, if I tell you all the <laughs> no, separate imagine, incidents yeah. that happened. Um, so I just resigned. It was actually Thursday morning. So like normally in education, you're only meant to, there's three resignation periods. Mm. So December 31st, May 31st, August 31st. Okay. So if you're resigning for um, say December 31st, yeah. you have to let the school know by October half term. Mm. Um, if you're resigning for April 31st, you need to let them know by you know the Easter. Easter yeah. And if you're resigning by August 31st, you need to let them know by the May half term. Mm. Essentially give them a half term's notice to be able to appoint someone new or yeah. interview, et cetera, right? It's like, it's, it's a goodwill yeah. gesture. But that school didn't have that any such policy. Yeah. You could just, I would see teachers getting walked off. Like I would see teachers in tears, <sighs> having their lanyard taken, oh, being bruh. walked to the exit. Like I'd seen it. There was this guy, um, this chemistry teacher that I started on started same day as me. Yeah. The guy was at like my dad's age. Yeah, mm. old guy. You know, um, really experienced teacher. Yeah. He'd only moved there because um, he had a partner that lived in the area, so that's why he'd left his school, moved to the area. Um, I had lunch with him. Yeah. I remember it was a Friday. We had fish and chips. I was like, "Yeah, I'll see you after school." <laughs> Went to my lesson. Come back. Only an hour lesson. Sixty yeah. minutes. I come back and they're like. He's no longer he's in the school. And I'm just like, I beg your pardon? That is wild. Um, and they were like, yeah, he's no longer here. Yeah. And I was given a new timetable where I picked up um, one his of his stuff. classes. Yeah. I, I was given a new chemistry class to accommodate the fact that he was gone. And I was just, honestly, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so like, again, because it was my first teaching job, I didn't know just how crazy that yeah. was. Like now that I'm experienced, if I saw that, I don't know, I'd call Ofsted or something. Yeah, yeah, Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I, yeah. I would report that. Yeah. Or I would at least know it's not an environment for me. But at the time, I didn't know anything about school policy. So I just thought this is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. honestly, I felt like I was in some sort of game show yeah. at some point. Like I did <laughs> not, it did up. not feel like real life. It yeah. felt fictional, right? So um, yeah, I used to see people leave. So me, um, after like quite a few back to back really bad incidents and my health was just declining more and more. I just thought I can't do it anymore. It was a Thursday morning in the yeah. middle of November. Like that is not a time to leave yeah. a school. I just looked around the office and I was like, you know what guys, I'm uh, gonna resign. Yeah. I was like, it's been good knowing you, you know, tell all the other science teachers. I've had a great yeah. time with them all. I wish them all the best, I'm leaving. <laughs> I just typed up my resignation. It was a three page letter in yeah. the end. I typed it up just then and there, emailed it to the heads PA and um, sat there with my bag. Cause normally when, they you get walked off. It was called getting walked off when you'd see a teacher have their lanyard taken and like escorted oh, it's, off. Oh, it's an actual thing. Yeah, you would be like, oh, so <laughs> and so got walked off. Yeah, yeah. like it, it was like fear mongering, right? Yeah. People would be scared. No one wants to like kind of go through that humiliation. Yeah. So I thought I don't want to get walked off. So I packed yeah. my bag and I just sat there and just thought I'm gonna wait. Yeah. To be called, but I'll take all my stuff with me. Yeah. Um, I didn't want any like souvenirs, memories, nothing. Like nothing, now if I'm yeah. leaving the school, I take loads of stuff with me to remember. Yeah. But there, I did not take anything except my own belongings. Like yeah. I just thought, I don't want to remember <laughs> anything about this place. I just sat there with my bag waiting with two other teachers who just happened to be free at the yeah. same time. And I said, tell everyone else. Like I honestly thought I was leaving, right? Yeah. So I was like, tell everyone else. I wish them all the best. Bye. You know, and the phone rang. It was the head's PA. She said, come up to see the head teacher. Yeah. So here, here I am thinking it's my exit interview. Yeah, I start yeah. listing names, like, yeah. you know, oh, just snitching ready. everyone <laughs> up, saying this person did this, he did this, yeah. she said this. Yeah. I know my rights. You know, I'd been Googling my yeah. rights and I actually found out, um, I didn't know anything about the Equality Act before that, but yeah. I found out there's three conditions that are considered disabilities from the day of diagnosis mm. because they're progressive. Um, so MS is one of them, okay, HIV yeah. is another, and cancer yeah. is the third one. So those three conditions are taken very seriously. Yeah. So like I, found, I found this out from Google, right? Mm. So I'm sat here in front of this head teacher, like, I know my rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm Just not. Waiting for yeah, him. Yeah, I know my rights. And 
this is not it. And you know what? Thank you very much. Like I was still really nice. Yeah. I was like, thank you. I appreciate this, this, this. But I, you know, this isn't the environment for me. And I, I was really honest. And I said, I feel like my health's gonna deteriorate. I've got yeah. a stressing condition. I can't cope with the stress of being here. So I'm just gonna go find myself another school and you know, just kind of remove myself from the situation. But thank you very much, you know, and I wish the school continued success, yeah. etc. He was like, you're a great role model for our Somali kids, for our black kids. Yeah. We don't want to lose you kind of thing. You know, oh, he was wow. like, I'm really sorry that this has happened to you. He basically came across as if he was on my side. Yeah. So in my head, I'm now thinking this wasn't part of the script. Yeah. But what's, like, what's, I'm what's listening. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so like, I'm listening. And, you know, he was like, you know what? You said you want to check your get checks on your health. Because yeah. I also told him I can't even go to the hospital to get any health checks because... Yeah. I'm not allowed days off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, what am I meant to do? I don't. I don't want to be in a wheelchair. Absolutely. At yeah. my age, like I was in my early twenties. Yeah. And he was like, you know what? I'll give you special leave. So this was November. He was like, why don't you take the rest of this year off? Come back in January for a new start, and I'm gonna go deal with those teachers. I yeah. thought, great. It's not like I wanted to be out of a job. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I thought, wow, he's actually on my side. Yeah. So I walked back to the office. Everyone's like gasping. Like <laughs> I actually ended up getting a nickname. Um, they started to call me, like, I don't want to say his name in it, but they started to call me his friend. Yeah. So they'd be like, oh yeah, she's so-and-so his friend, as in the head teacher, uh, friend, because yeah, I was yeah. like the first person ever that yeah. actually came back from the exit Survived interview. Survived from a walk-off, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I was, feel, I was kind of feeling myself like, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I did that, you know? But um, looking back, honestly, like it haunted me for a long time because yeah. what happened when I returned was so scary yeah. and serious that I feel like he actually only brought me back, not because he cared, but because of the plans that they ended up having for me. So like what happened right. when I returned in January, um, the first thing they did is they said I'd have a phased return. Yeah. Um, so I come into school, um, they actually canceled my phase return about two hours into the school day. Yeah. I said, you're going back on full timetable with immediate effect. Yeah. Um, I feel like essentially they set me up to fail because then later that week, you know, I was told that I wasn't good enough at planning um oh, wow. but of course i couldn't have planned ahead because they put me in that position Just straight away so yeah. straight away you know i was put on like a almost like a plan or i had someone on my case about my planning so like from the first week i was already you know told you're not planning well enough you're not doing this well enough we're going to monitor this and and then um also another thing in teaching is when you're a trainee you're meant to have one observation each half term because yeah. you're in training so you're meant to be closely supervised you're meant to have a mentor yeah. but once a half term that's only six times a year um and then if you're like a more experienced teacher, you will at most normally have about three a year. Yeah. So, um, and I was more than happy to do that. They suddenly started to observe me every single day and they'd be unannounced. Yeah. Um, I'd have that um, senior leader, the one who, you know, said that I need to, admitting that I have yeah. MS as a character flaw, that guy would be in my lessons like all the time. Every time, just checking And it's out. like, you know, in teaching, it's used as an intimidation tactic. Yeah. Yes, it's there. It can be supportive. A lot of schools use it pop properly, but there are also schools, unfortunately, that don't. Yeah. So he would be coming into my lessons and the I'd get like the worst feedback imaginable. You know, he would be like, um, was that a good or bad lesson? Which you're not allowed to do in teaching. You're not, you're, not you're meant to, to have, you know, a what went well okay, and even yeah, better yeah, if, yeah. because you're not meant to patronize this person. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm a teacher by, based on merit yeah. you know i went to ucl um you know which is the best teacher training course in the country yeah, yeah, yeah. you know this is someone i'm an adult yeah you know you're, there's you're meant to be a line be, yeah. between how you treat pupils and well, not even treat everyone should be treated well but you know how you interact with students and how yeah. you interact with staff like when i'm giving somebody feedback on their lessons i'm always coming from an angle of i know that you're the expert in your classroom yeah. this is just what i think 
you could yeah, do differently or you could do to improve but there's always that underlying assumption and respect that yeah. you know what you're doing do you know what i mean and you're an expert yeah whereas with him like the whole thing the whole process was just designed to hurt me like yeah. you know to just kind of get me to break down mm. but i didn't you know he'd be like was that a good or bad lesson and i know he'd want me to say bad lesson so yeah. i'd say bad lesson um can you tell me why kind <laughs> of thing you know and you know i think he was just a bit surprised as to why is this girl not giving in like yeah, do you know yeah, what i mean yeah. why because there were loads of staff you yeah. i would see in tears get walked off and i yeah. think sorry you're not gonna win like i'm not gonna let you <laughs> i'm here based on merit and i'm not gonna forget that yeah. and looking back is a bit unhinged because it's actually crazy to come to school every day knowing that all the senior leaders hate you and yeah. to just still, and to still be i there. used to sit there with my <laughs> coke can biscuits like i like as if i don't know like i just survived yeah. but I still Sometimes that's how you have to deal with these people. You I know? couldn't believe it. But you know, that week I got so stressed out that um, one day I woke up and I couldn't feel my whole left side. So left leg, left hand. Um, I was like, really, I didn't know what to do. I went to a &E, um, They basically said, we don't know what this is. I called my neurology team. They said, you've probably had um, um, an MS relapse. Yeah. And so I started to come into school in crutches. I still didn't miss a day of school. I came in every day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, it was so mean looking back. I remember them still observing me despite me being on crutches and then and I remember so clearly like you know I had four different members of staff that are more senior to me yeah. walk into my lessons randomly no notice like you're meant to tell the person we're coming on x date yeah. you know no notice so every lesson I'd be on edge thinking who's going to walk in yeah. my classroom today you know so I would like almost yeah. gaslight the kids and be like people are coming to observe you yeah you know you need to be on your best behavior but actually it was for me for you, yeah. you know and um Whilst you're going through everything. Yeah. So yeah. like, and you know what was so crazy? They would give me feedback. I'd be stood up the whole lesson all day. I'd yeah. be stood up on crutches and I'd still get feedback like, you're static. You're not circulating the room enough to improve. You need to circulate the room more. Wow. And it's like, I knew at that point, this is just, you know, blatant discrimination. Yeah. So they continued and continued and continued. It just got worse and worse and worse. And the entire time I was just um, creating a paper trail. I'd collect evidence. Mm. If a member of staff stopped me in the corridor and said something to me, I would run back to my computer and be like, you know, following on from our yeah, corridor yeah. conversation. I was just creating a paper trail. Yeah. And in my head, I thought, you know what, I've Googled, like this is discrimination and discrimination, according to Google, should yeah. go to court. Yeah. So like, I didn't know how I was gonna go to court, didn't know how much it cost, didn't even know where my local court, it like, I didn't know anything yeah. where it was. But I just thought, well, I'm gonna collect this evidence anyway because maybe there will come a time when I know what I can do about it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the final straw for me was um, I spent my hospital in birthday on uh, no, I spent my birthday in hospital yeah. on steroids um to try get back feeling in my leg, okay. and um I was so happy that day. And looking back, like who on earth would be happy in hospital on their yeah. birthday? But I was just so happy because I wasn't in school. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. And yeah i was on a, a drip for hours yeah. like and it's steroids like they give you insomnia they give you like water retention but i was just so happy to not be in school to not just be in that environment yeah. Yeah. so like it was a great day for me like sitting on a drip in hospital was so good yeah. compared to school so um i didn't get feeling back in my leg but um yeah i had mri scans and i was told that i had like 12 new lesions in and that my ms had also spread to my spine mm. and that news for me like honestly it it killed me like I just remember thinking I need to get out of the school like I need to leave for a second time like I don't know what I'm gonna do so yeah. I sent a really long email to my managers after the half term um well on the last day of the half term saying I really need help oh yeah so my neurologist said that because my MS had gotten so bad I would be escalated to um, a more potent 
immunosuppressant. Yeah. So I would be changing from tablets to ones where you have to actually come in and sit on a drip. Um, so they're oh, actually, wow. they're so strong. Yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. actually um, a medication that I think was initially intended for cancer. Yeah. Um, but they've somewhere down the line figured out it works better for MS. So like it's really strong medication yeah. on where you have to actually come in and be monitored and, on yeah. a drip. So like I told the school this, I said, look, I really need help with my health. Like yeah. um, the hospital also were like to me, what stress are you going un undergoing for yeah. your MRI scans? And I'd only had MS for six months at this point yeah. to be so much worse. They actually changed my MS diagnosis to um, a highly active, aggressive MS. I was told I'd be out of the workforce um, by yeah. my thirties, you know, like it was scary. Yeah. So I passed on all, they even wrote a letter for me to give to my school yeah. saying basically like stress exacerbates MS. Like, can you please support this teacher? Cause I told them, that my school wasn't helping me. Evil people. Crazy. So yeah. anyway, the final straw for me was I showed them this letter. I told them, look, I'm really struggling with my health. I need support. I'm going to need one day off a month for this immunosuppressant. And I knew I wasn't allowed days off. I said, can someone sit down with me? Like I'm literally living in a constant state of trepidation. Yeah. Like I'm really scared and I need support. Their response was to um, ignore my email. They, they'd seen it, but they turned around, took me. I was in the middle of teaching a lesson. They cancelled, well, they got someone to cover my lesson whilst I was teaching it, yeah. removed me from the lesson, sent me up to a deputy head um, where he was then with another member of the senior team and he basically said, we're putting you on a capability procedure because you're a failing teacher. And um, they actually had my resignation like ready. Like, I think they just I, thought I was going to burst into tears and be it, like, you know what, I'm going to yeah, leave now. Yeah. Just walk me yeah. out. And I just, I just went, okay. Yeah. And like, just silence like i said okay uh, and they're like waiting you know and i'm waiting yeah um and then they sent me back down to um the to my lesson and i had to just continue this lesson mm. i was gone for about 20 minutes and the kids were like miss where were you and i was yeah. just like you know just a meeting and they were like why like in the middle of the lesson but i'd continue teaching for the rest of the day and then when i went home that day was when i decided i was never going back called my union um but didn't resign for yeah. quite a while actually i was still employed there for a good six months but i never stepped foot in the school so, again yeah, yeah. and just you know started to collate all my evidence yeah. um in my time at home and actually my relapse by the way was so bad that year um i had to go to physiotherapy it took me eight months to relearn how to walk and oh. come off crutches so, like yeah. it was really serious yeah. um and you know i'm really grateful i did i did alhamdulillah make a full recovery yeah. um and you know, I've never actually relapsed since. So, yeah. like, I think it's very it's interesting. From that yeah, stress. Period, I actually yeah. went into remission the same time that I resigned from that school, and yeah. I have never like I remember leaving thinking teaching and MS are not compatible. I yeah. need a new career. I went into dressmaking. I had an yeah. unemployed era. I did yeah. all sorts of stuff. My mom, my mom was so concerned. Uh, looking back, I remember she she just wanted me to be happy. But yeah. I remember, especially when I became a dressmaker, she was a bit like, "Are you sure?" Like yeah, you used to be a science on, yeah, teacher. Yeah. But I just remember thinking, "There's no way." Like this profession's. Yeah. But actually, I realized having done, been a full time teacher in two different schools, even a school with excluded children, have been a senior leader. I've never ever struggled yeah. with my health again, and you know, it just kind of highlighted what that school was yeah, like. Absolutely. Yeah. No, nah, Alhamdulillah. And obviously it's good as well to see the, the progress that you've had from Thank that, you, you. know, doing, presenting the some international awards and oh, yeah. stuff yeah. like that. You know I mean? It's amazing. But we have to wrap it up here. Um, cool. And I just wanted to say that you've probably been one of the best guests we've had. Um, oh, thank you. That's I can't really lie. The, the stories and everything that you were saying, like, I, I don't know if I felt despondent, <laughs> but I was just so enthralled in it because I just couldn't believe a, a lot of it. 
um but we definitely have to have you back on for oh, sure because there's way more topics that that we i wanted to discuss as well um but i'm just conscious of the time and thank you very much for coming on thank you so much for appreciate you so me. much I yeah really yeah appreciate it. is there anything that you're doing currently right now that you'd like people to know of or be aware of not really you know no the moment yeah nothing <laughs> nothing you got going I'm on like, no I'm dresses you got coming out or anything sorry no dresses uh, you've made. you know what? i've taken a break from that because of teaching but um no you know what nothing i feel like the only place where really i'm quite noisy is twitter i would say yeah. but um yeah even that i've not had time for lately yeah no nah, but even then um I would suggest you guys always to check her out uh, Twitter as well. Um, but now, honestly, thank you again for, for coming on. This has been a really good episode and we'll definitely have you again sometime soon. Thank you so much for yeah, inviting me. It's, it's been right. lovely. That's okay. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Paper Charles podcast. If you like this episode, please leave a review, comment, like and subscribe. And be sure to follow us on all our socials. Keep moving, keep growing, keep learning. See you at work.